Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the I Am Podcast, where your voice matters. Today's guest is proof that when life knocks you down, you can rise even stronger. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Deanna D. Davis! Imagine being brand new to a city in the seventh grade. You're an athlete, a pretty girl with pretty eyes, energetic, fun-loving, smart, and accomplished. Oh, how naive I was as a young girl. You think that people are nice and genuine and have your best interests at heart. But as you will learn as you go through life, not everyone will treat you as you treat them. It's unfortunate that a young lady in the seventh grade had to experience such a tragic event. It was an early morning on Wednesday, April 28, 1999. I would jog to my middle school that was down the street from where I lived every morning. I would go shoot some shots in the gym and go to the library to wait for school to begin. One of my classmates was also in the library just hanging out and she was playing with a yo-yo that she shared with me. She also showed me what she called a pong that had an angel on one side and on the back, handwritten, it said, devil rules. I told her she should probably take that to the office because she said she found it on the stairs in the school. I didn't think any more of that pong and left the library. I had a National Junior Honor Society application to fill out, so I went to my teacher's classroom to use his computer. I realized I needed something from my locker, so I began to walk down the hallway to get my things. On the way, a few of my passing classmates said, you have mail, and they were laughing. I looked puzzled at that moment, but I kept walking. As I approached my locker, I noticed something sticking out of it. Once I got there, I pulled out the object that looked to be a note. I noticed it was in a plastic sleeve, and there were newspaper cutout letters. And at the very bottom of the note, there were two pictures of the boys who committed the Columbine shooting. At that moment, I did not read the the note in its entirety, but I saw you could be next, Mrs. D. Davis, and was completely stunned and confused as to why this would be in my locker. A teacher who was the hall monitor that morning was near me and saw my reaction and came to ask if I was okay while grabbing the death threat from my hands. Once she opened the note, she said, Oh my God! And began to cry, then immediately went to action and rushed me down to the office to notify the principal of what she found. When we got into the office, I was given a sheet of paper to write a statement about the incident. I was sitting in a chair near several windows, completely numb. And as the buses were arriving at school, the students were coming into the building and they saw me sitting in the office. Many stopped in to say hello and asked why I was in there and others knocked on the glass as they passed by to to wave. I had no idea who did this act, so my guard was completely up. Still confused, still in shock. Soon there were many faculty and staff that began to arrive in the office. The classmate who was in the library with me also came into the office and began to talk to me. She began asking me questions, and I told her that I received a death threat. The staff saw her talking to me and asked her to stop. 
she then started writing me notes saying things to me like, do you know who did it? You don't think I would have done that, do you? The teacher who brought me down to the office asked me to come sit near her in another area away from the classmate. I noticed the classmate began to also write a statement, but then asked the secretary for another sheet of paper because she said she messed up on the first one. Detectives and the local police department were called in. My mom was off from work this day and was also contacted. Once my mother arrived to the principal's office, she was shown the death threat and immediately became emotional. And I'm sitting there emotionless as I was still in shock. This note came exactly eight days after the Columbine shooting and was still a very hot topic, which was very sensitive. At no point did I take this occurrence as a joke or a prank. My life was threatened and I had no idea who would do such a thing to me. My mother let the principal know that I would not be back and we left. She made my brother come home from the high school across the street and we packed my things and my mom took me out of the state to where to my family where she knew I would be safe. The very next day, Thursday, April 29, 1999, we were notified that after extensive investigation that my classmate who was in the library with me and also in the office with me was the one responsible for this disgusting act. She was taken to the local juvenile detention center where she spent 24 hours and was then released to her home where she was on house arrest with an ankle monitor. My mother notified the principal that I would return on that Monday. However, on Sunday before heading back to that state, we stopped to fill our gas tank up only to find sugar around the tank. When we arrived home, we checked my brother's vehicle as well, and his tank had also been sugared. Both vehicles were towed to a local car shop, and we had to rent cars temporarily. My mother notified the sergeant who was handling our case and a police report was filed, but we had no proof that the classmate or her family had anything to do with what happened, although we had never had any issues until this death threat incident. My family wanted this to all be behind us, but when I returned to school on that Monday, there were tons of positive, encouraging posters from my classmates and teachers. There was so much attention on me that our school security was outside of all of my classes and I could not make a move without someone being right there with me. It was very uncomfortable. The classmate's siblings still attended the middle school and the other students were angry and he was beginning to receive punishment for what his sister did to me. There was some speculation that he also had something to do with the death threat. So students were causing him physical harm to the point where he was also removed from the school. I felt sad, angry, hurt, disappointed, and confused all at the same time. I thought this person was my friend. We shared laughs, played sports together, and were classmates. I would have never thought that something like this would happen to me. I was nice to everyone. I worked hard in school and in sports, and I also tried to help people. I cannot fathom in my mind why a person would have this much hate for someone. I missed out on sports, school activities, and the innocence of my youth. I had to go to court for many months about this classmate and see her face after finding out that she conducted this act of hate towards me.
She couldn't even look at me. She was charged with a felony of ethnic intimidation and was to serve two weeks in 2020, but received an early release. She was also expelled from the school and a restraining order was in effect as well. This situation caused a major disruption in my life. And for what? I was hated because a person was jealous of my popularity, the color of my skin, my talent in sports, and because I was a good student in the classroom. Why is that a threat? This person allowed her insecurities and jealousy to spew hate. It makes no sense at all to me. It took me years to read the actual death threat, but it read in newspaper clippings. Remember the nigger who got killed last week because he was black? Well, you could be next, Miss D. Davis. So watch your back or I'll shoot and kill your ass. Because someone is black, that justifies killing him or her. This person threatened to take my life because I was black. And in other statements, she expressed her frustrations over my successes. Student of the week, student of the month, athlete of the week, athlete of the month. My family has a strong faith in God. And with each day, we got stronger. Because I can't lie, this situation really affected us for some time. But we were able to overcome this obstacle. The devil loves to try to destroy what God has for you. But I got up and dusted myself off and pushed on. I continued to succeed and I continued to be a good person. I did not allow this incident to completely destroy me. Although I did get knocked down temporarily, I didn't stay down. The climate that we are living in currently will knock you down at times, but gather yourself and get back up even stronger than before. We as a society need to love each other more. We are made different for a reason. And we are a unique body of work and should celebrate each other. No one should feel threatened by the successes of another individual. Use them as motivation to chase your dreams and goals in life. There is no room for hate. And if you are struggling with loving others, start with loving yourself. I am fearless. Thanks for tuning in to the I Am Podcast, brought to you by Extreme Heat Sports and Fat Bars Records and Multimedia. We'll be back soon with another inspiring story from the voices of today. See you soon.